Yeah, so my, my philosophy is when you come in to my restaurant, I, uh, I make a promise to you. I promise you a perfect service, perfect environment, and perfect product. And I ask you to pay me a certain price for that. So when you come in and spend 100% of the money and I give you 100% of my, I deliver on 100% of my promise as an even trade. The main thing I said, I said to them is, hey, make sure that you have dry powder because uh, the, the future is unknown, is unknowable, and we don't know where we're going right now. To another episode of the Wichita Life Podcast. My name is Landon. Today's sponsor is Il Primo Espresso Cafe. Il Primo is one of my favorite coffee shops in Wichita. Their location on the east side at Central and Woodlawn offers a comfy atmosphere, local art, and a great cup of coffee. Go check out Il Primo today. Today's guest is Alex Harb. Alex came to Wichita from Lebanon in 2000 to attend Wichita State. Since then, Alex has gone on to start Rivet Computers and Medis. As the founder of Medis, Alex continues to improve the concept of fast casual dining for Mediterranean food. Medis continues to grow with new locations now on the west side, soon to be Tulsa, and soon to be nationwide, I imagine. Alex is an incredibly nice guy and a great businessman. Enjoy my conversation with Alex Harb. All right, I'm here with Alex Harb. How are you doing, Alex? I'm doing great. Thank you. Um, can you just briefly introduce yourself to the listeners? My name is Alex Harb. I uh, I I've lived in Wichita, Kansas for the last uh, 20 years. I came to Wichita in August uh, 15 of 2000. I started out, I went to Wichita State. I uh, I started out with by owning a computer store. Now I have owned Medis uh, since 2015 uh, or late 2014. And uh, uh, I have a wife and three kids and uh, life is good now. You know awesome. Yeah. Just yeah. Even, <laughs> yeah, even amidst the pandemic and everything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Everything is good. It could be worse. It could be better. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That is for sure. Um, so I kind of just want to start at the beginning. So um, you are originally from Lebanon. Is that right? Correct. So what brought you to Wichita? Why Wichita? Lebanon is a third world country and uh, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I grew up in a medium income family and uh, uh, Wichita, uh, didn't really know much about Wichita, but it was one of the uh, least, uh, less expensive colleges. I came here to, to go to Wichita State mm -hmm. to uh, get a computer science degree from Wichita State. And it was one of the cheaper colleges, I guess, yeah. as an option. And uh, it's, it was what my parents could afford, I guess, at that time. Sure. Did your family come over with you or did you just come over just by yourself for school? No, but just by myself. Okay. Very cool. Are they still over in Lebanon or did they ever come over to yeah. the States? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, all my parents are uh, still in Lebanon. All my family is still in Lebanon. That's really cool. Do you go back and visit very often? Every, uh, uh, almost every five years. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I go for a couple of weeks. I see my uh, mom and dad and I come back. Yeah. That's really cool. 
Um, did were you aware when you were coming to Wichita? I mean, I guess I've lived here since two thousand one. We moved from Nebraska, but were you aware of like the large Lebanese, um, I guess, population or culture here in Wichita? I didn't really. I, I wasn't had, really aware of it till high school, but yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea that there was as many Lebanese people as there are. Yeah, I think I've always thought that's super interesting. A couple of my good friends from high school um, were from Lebanon. And so I was just, I mean, I, I grew up out in Andover. And so there's not a whole lot of, I mean, minority people in general. So it's cool to hear about that culture and hear about, I mean, from a country that's not very close to the U.S. So. Correct. Correct. Yeah. How, um, how does, I mean, like you said, it's kind of a third world country. Was there any culture shock or anything when you first came over here? Lebanon is a is a little bit of a melting pot. It is in the Middle East, but mm -hmm. uh, it's a multicultural uh, place. Uh, different religions, different beliefs, different color people, and uh, uh, Lebanese people. They uh, they're very adventurous. They're adventurous. Mm -hmm. There's five million Lebanese people in Lebanon, and there's eight million all over the world. Oh, and wow. they uh, they uh, and I'm talking about. For almost like first generation, mm -hmm. so they we a, a lot of it's a, a it's pretty much part of the culture. You you turn eighteen and you start looking for which country do you want to travel to, and go get your education or go work or uh, you know go do something. We uh, uh, we uh, we in the forties we uh, we were a French colony, so we a lot of Lebanese people travel to France and they live in France, and some of them go back and some of them don't and. Uh, uh, we were. Uh, I grew up being influenced by the French, you know, because we we're French mm -hmm. colony, and uh, so we. The, there wasn't really much of a cultural shock. No, I. I mean, I came to Wichita. I was didn't really know what it was it looked like. Uh -huh. uh, so I was expecting tall buildings and busy and subway. I had no idea that I was coming to a very uh, quiet place, if you want to say, comparing sure. to what I've seen to in movies. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, other than that, people are really nice and friendly. So that was a little different than I've been to Europe before. So that was a little different than Europe. Uh, people in Wichita are uh, a lot friendlier, friendlier than you know people in other places on the planet. Right. I you know, I haven't really socialized much with people in other states, but usually, I mean, you know, uh, people in Wichita are extremely friendly. So that was that was really good plus. You know. Yeah, I've noticed that as well. I haven't been international too much, but just we lived down in Corpus Christi, Texas for a little while and um, just have traveled kind of across the U.S. And I don't think it gets much friendlier than Wichita. So, Yep, absolutely. So your time at Wichita State, you were studying computer science. Did you know what you wanted to do after that? Did you just want to work with computers or did you have a specific company or job in mind? Well, I uh, – so while I was going through – I. My degree was in computer science, and while I was going to school, I got a job as a student, a student desk engineer at a company called, it used to be called LSI Logic, now it's mm -hmm. called NetApp. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, uh, I started doing, so I was kind of like an intern, so I, I started getting an idea what, what programming was, was about and what it was going to be like, and uh, and I started getting an idea based on my education, what I was going to spend the rest of my life doing. And uh, I, I didn't like it. It, it was sure. not, it was not the right fit for me. So I knew halfway that it, th this is not something that I was going to do for the rest of my life. I, I'm not the kind of guy to, that can, 
sit on a computer and uh, just do write a code or you know mm-hmm. uh, I don't have the patience for it, I guess if you want to say yeah so I, I I knew that's not what I wanted to do but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do okay so gotcha. I was a little lost for a while so then you didn't after you kind of figured that out did you what I mean were you working throughout college or when did you figure that out because I think the I, next step I, when, was when I finished college I I, I pretty much uh, so I waited on tables part-time while I was going to college and I mm-hmm. worked at this company and when I was done with college, I, I quit both and I, I started uh, I, I started looking for what I wanted to do. I was unemployed for about six months mm-hmm. and uh, I, I got online and I started looking for a business to buy. I wanted to be in business. I wanted to be a businessman, I guess, but I had no idea what business was about. I, I, I just I, I call it the wishful thinking theory, yeah. you know, where, where you really think that you think that you know what you're doing, but you really have no idea what you're doing. So I, I got on bizbysell.com and I started looking for businesses for sale, restaurants or stores or whatever, you know, I just, yeah. uh, it was mainly, I was searching for something that was cheap, you know, sure. so I came this across this, uh, this computer store that was for sale in uh, uh, Omaha, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went and talked to the guy and while I was talking to him, you know, I uh, he he started telling me about the computer business and stuff like that, and, and I almost made a deal with him, but the deal didn't go through. And by the time I was done negotiating, going back and forth, I kind of got an idea what it was all about. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I mean, I knew about computers, so right. I was like, you know what, I'll just give it a try, see what happens. So I I rented an eight hundred square feet store on. Uh, Harry Lincoln and Oliver. Okay. And uh, I just opened the computer store. I mean, the place was really small. I bought some stuff online and uh, I started trying, you know? Yeah. Were you, were you specializing in hardware or IT? Was it mainly the hardware? Uh, I was, uh, I actually, so I knew how to work on computers. I knew how to fix them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't really good at it when I first started. I thought I was, but I really wasn't, but I, I figured it out. Right. So, uh, uh, I uh, I was uh, already well. Also, like at some point, I, I sold some computer stuff online on on eBay. So I had an idea what the parts were. I built my own computer, and I I just bought a bunch of inventory. I there was a Target that was going out of business. So I went and bought some shelves from them, mm-hmm. and uh, I bought some computer parts online, and I put them on the shelves, and uh, I set up a table to fix computers, and uh, that's how I got started. Wow, that's really cool. I think it's super interesting that you didn't necessarily have the exact type of business in mind and you just wanted to start the business. I think a lot of people do it the opposite way. Like they're like, okay, I want to start a computer business and this is how it's going to be, or I want to start a restaurant. But you were a lot more open minded about that process. Yes, yes. That's pretty interesting. Did I mean, I knew a little bit about restaurants. I was a waiter, I was never a chef or a cook. So I thought I wanted to own a restaurant. I, I'm glad I didn't at that time. Yeah. Because it, I, it would have bankrupted me for the next 50 years, I think. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think I got lucky that uh, I decided to go for the for the computer business. Uh, and uh, uh, I think I got lucky at that time. You know? Yeah. Did you have that entrepreneurial itch kind of growing up? Or did you, that just kind of... Uh... I don't know, inspiration strike you once you were working at LSI and you realized you didn't want to do that anymore? 
I just, I realized that I didn't want to do that. I didn't really have big plans. I didn't have a business plan. I, I uh, you know, it was honestly just a decision I made based, based on the lack of options, I guess, if you want to say. Yeah. It was the best option for me, and I figured I'll try it and see what happened. Sure. You know? Yeah. So just looking for it a little bit. See, that was 2004-ish or so when you started Rivet. Is that right? Yes, uh, 2004, correct. 2004? My first day was like December 21st, 2004. Okay. Um, so then it was about 10 years until you started Medis. Were you just go, doing Rivet full-time then? Yeah, I did I did Rivet for for, uh, uh, for 10 years. And uh, when I first started Rivet, like I said, I got lucky. I didn't really know uh, any business skills and tools. I knew the trade. I knew how to work on computers. I knew how to buy and sell stuff. But I really did not, uh, I didn't really master uh, business tools and skills, if you want to say. Yeah. Uh, they say, uh, I think Warren Buffett, so I read it somewhere, it says success sometimes is the enemy of future success. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. So I, uh, when I saw Ribbit, I got lucky. Now I, now, I was a hard worker. It's not like I didn't really work hard. I was, I, I've always worked 80 hours a week. I, was, I put in a lot of hours. But it was a hand-cranking machine, if you want to say. I made good money, but I, I thought that I was really, really good I was, uh, at business. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I got lucky, and I made money, and I was successful. But the reality was is I, was, uh, I had a product. And I got lucky that somebody wanted that product. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So uh, when when I opened the restaurant, I opened the restaurant because I had that uh, uh, thought that I, you know, I could, if I could figure out the computer business, I'd figure out the restaurant business, which didn't really turn out to be the the, the truth. It didn't turn out to be the case. You know, mm -hmm. uh, so. Uh, it was struggle at the beginning. I mean, it wasn't easy, and uh, I still had Ruby computers to manage. So, and uh, you know, it was it was a tough. Uh, it almost almost wiped me off. I guess uh, wiped me out. I guess it almost bankrupted me when when I I started Medis and still had Ribbit because Ribbit when I started Medis right around the time I started Medis Ribbit was. Uh, that that the business environment was changing for Medis. All of a sudden, people were not using computers as much, and they were using phones, and uh, more often, I guess. So you didn't really not everybody all of a sudden needed a computer and a monitor and a printer and a scanner at their house. So the business environment was changing for me, if you want to say. And I was I actually and I was getting into a new business, so it was uh, it was a little challenging, if you want to say. Yeah, do you, do you think that was a, a link between those, that the rivet, the, the landscape was changing as far as computers and phones and everything? Did you feel the need to kind of diversify and start a new business, or did you Yes. Just, yeah. Yes, I, and I did, and I thought it was the answer, but actually what, what should have been the answer at that time was, is I needed to evolve my business to... Uh, to uh, make it work with the new environment. I needed to uh, figure out a way to navigate and not just give up on it because there's always there's always a, a, a solution for, uh, you know, these challenges. No, the only constant 
uh, Albert Einstein, he said once, the only constant about business is change. Mm -hmm. And uh, business changes all the time. And if you can't navigate and if you can't change with it, you eventually you're going to fail. And that happens a lot with small businesses is a lot of people, uh, they, they think they're entrepreneurs and they start a product and sometimes they get lucky and sometimes they don't. But when they do get lucky, they think all of a sudden that they they know what they're doing and they know business skills and tools and they think they can run any business. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the environment changes, when they go out of business, you know? Right, which I think now, right now, in we're in May of 2020, I think now's a prime example of that with the small businesses being forced to shut down for at least some period of time and a lot of them are still shut down. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I feel a lot more confident now than because I think I've been through the uh, uh, I've been through challenging time before. So uh, now that I know exactly what's going to happen, I have no idea. Warren Buffett had a conference call with his shareholders on Saturday morning. And uh, a smart guy like Warren Buffett said that he had no idea what was going to happen. So uh, I would never think that I, I have a, a you know any idea what's going to happen. But uh, my my rule of thumb is what I tell my my team is let's prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Yeah, and I think you. Yeah. I mean, you've experienced now 2008 um, as well as kind of this 2020 pandemic, and so I think you kind of have like a a wartime general experience almost now. Like you can kind of. I mean, anything else that comes up, it's like okay, I could probably handle that if I can handle these economy changing events. Yeah, this is different though. This is different. This is. Uh, you know, I uh, I never tell myself I can figure it out. It, what I always ask myself, what don't what don't I see? What yeah. don't I know? You know what I'm saying? Because right now, there's a lot of things that we don't know, and I I literally since March 15, I've been asking myself the same question: is what don't what don't I know? Like, what do I, what do I need to prepare for? And I am trying to make the best guess. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I can, I can, I guarantee you, I'm going to do the best I can. And I'm going to do the right thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I, I have that in mind is, Hey, we're going to do the right thing. Are we going to do the best we can? And we're going to change and we're going to always be forward thinkers. And we're going to, we're not going to give up. You know, we are in the best country in the world. We are in the best community in the world. And we're just going to come out of this smelling like flowers, regardless of what we go through right now. Mm-hmm. Do you, is there anything you could have told yourself either when you first started Rivet, first started Medis, or even kind of just before um, everything that's going on right now started? Is there anything you could have told yourself that would help kind of help weather the storm? Uh, honestly, in a situation like this, business... Uh, business and uh, money go on hand in hand. You know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So when when this whole thing started happening, I you know I had a lot of conversation with other business owners, and I asked him for advice, and I gave him advice. And the main thing I said I said to them is, hey, make sure that you have dry powder, because uh, the the future is unknown, is unknowable, and we don't know where we're going right now. And uh, it's not because I was scared of the virus. Uh, now that we've been getting, you know, mixed messages about the virus, mm-hmm. it's because uh, we don't know what people's perception of this environment is going to be. 
Right. You know, because regardless of what the business we're in, we're in the people business. Mm-hmm. And we're dealing with two types of people. We're dealing with the, uh, so we're, when we're business owners, we're dealing with two types of people. We're dealing with the employees and customers. Employees do the work and customers give us the money. And their perception of this environment is what's going to shift our businesses, whether we go, that's what's going to make us go right or left. It's not what the virus is going to do, is what the people's perception is going to be. And I ha- we, we all don't know what the people's perception is going to be today or tomorrow or next month or next year. Right. You know? Yeah. So that's that was uh, the unknown to me is, you know, we all, if you talk to a doctor that specializes in infectious diseases, they tell you that, hey, it's impossible to come up with a vaccine, you know, in a, in a, a time shorter than a year right. and this is going to affect a lot of us 60 70 percent of us and uh, uh it's the same thing that i've been hearing since you know everybody started talking about uh covid 19 so uh, we all knew what it was or we had an idea of what it was but we didn't know what kind of effect it was going to have on that environment yeah yeah it's, i mean it's been pretty extreme i don't think anybody had any idea that it would get to this point where they're shutting down. I mean, basically everything, it's been pretty crazy, but how have you um, pivoted specifically at Medis, but I guess at Ribbit too, how have you pivoted to be able to serve the customers um, in a kind of a safe way, um, but make them feel comfortable with still dining at your, or not dining at, but um, giving you their business basically. Uh, at Ribbit, they're, they're, Ribbit Computers is not like, uh, it's more uh, the operation that we have. So we have two separate operations. We have mm-hmm. the IT the IT department, which is RBS IT, where we provide I, outsource IT for small and medium businesses. Uh-huh. And uh, we have the retail operation where we fix computers, we sell laptops, and, you know. And it's a little different. The environment uh, at both is a little different than the restaurant industry. The restaurant industry, you're packed, you're, you're depending on, on volume. And uh, uh, so go back to uh, RBS IT, we pretty much, we first reached out to all of our customers and we told them, hey, we're, we're here for you. Don't worry, we're going to support you with whatever you need. If you need to work from home, you need to send your employees home. Just let us know. We're going to support you. Uh, you know, I had a meeting with our staff and I, I, I told them that, hey, we're all in this together. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, I, I. I specifically told them we're going to eat the last can of tuna together, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. so we're all in this, we're going to do our best and we're going to do the right thing. And I explained to them, I said, this is a time you either make friends forever or you don't, you know? So we're going to be, we're going to do the best we can with everybody. So even if our customers can't pay us, we're going to help them, help them out as much as we can until we can't do it. Yeah. You know, now the retail operation, I was a little concerned with customers coming in. So immediately we got hand sanitizers, we got face masks. And I, I said, hey, you know, I, I was very clear with the team and I said, this is safety is number one. You, I, I'm, you guys are all smart. Figure out the best way where you guys can be safe doing this. And they actually have done a good job. You know, we don't get yeah. 20, 30 people in the store at the same time. So we're fine there. And they... Uh, they're, I think they're, they're running a pretty safe operation. 
uh, we had a really high demand for webcams all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, we right. haven't sold a webcam for a long time. And all of a sudden, everybody's calling us for webcams. So we bought some webcams and we sold them. And now we're trying to find more <laughs> webcams. Right. But they're so expensive now that it's almost cheaper to buy a laptop. But we, wow. uh, you know, like I said, we're doing, we're doing, we're trying to do the best we can with everything we're doing. Mm-hmm. Now at Maddie's, it was a different story. You know, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was very different. So, right. Um, so I guess kind of pivot away from talking about the pandemic and just kind of talk about the experience of Maddie's um, in general. Um, how did I mean? Did you come up with the name? Did somebody help you come up with the name? Um, and where did you first start Medis? I uh, I was when when I when I started Medis, I wanted to start a you know fast casual Mediterranean restaurant. I had something in mind like something similar to Chipotle, uh-huh. you know. And uh, I kept bouncing ideas, you know, with a couple of friends about you know Mediterranean restaurant and finally somebody said <clears throat> something medi grill and i'm like okay let's uh uh let's just call it medis and uh, i mean part of the process of finding a name was finding the dot com for it yeah and making sure that no one else is using it because uh, uh at that time I, I i wanted to make a chain i didn't really want to open a restaurant because uh, uh and just you know sit there and eat uh, like cook and it be a chef in it or something because i'm not a chef so i was starting right. a business not necessarily you know, like a, a chef restaurant. So it had to be something that was ex- that, that I could expand in the future. Okay, is that something you still want to do? Is it still? I know you're just at Wichita right now, but the chain. What? Where are the, are the plans for the chain right now? Well, we uh, just uh, three months ago we signed a lease on a on a location in Tulsa. Oh, cool! And cool. we had plans to have that have that open in in August, sometime in August, and uh, now. We don't know exactly when we're gonna open it, but we are still gonna expand Medis to you know different markets. We are ready to to expand it to a different market. Yeah, and I think that's gonna be huge because, like you said, I don't think. I mean, I'm not off the top of my head. I can't think of any other like big chains that serve the quality um, of Mediterranean food as like like you said the fast casual type. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and so in Wichita, just to kind of for people that might not know, you have your White Herring Rock location. Greenwich and 21st and downtown. And then I believe you're opening a West side, correct? Yes. On the Maple and Ridge. Okay. And is that one open yet? This morning. What's that? Is that? No, that was, that was supposed to open on May 1st. It got delayed right now. And uh, we're hoping to get it open for curbside by June 15. Okay. Very cool. Um, What do you think makes Medis stand out? Like, I mean, there's not a lot of fast, casual Mediterranean spots, but what makes it stand out above like, other fast food restaurants or just at other Mediterranean restaurants? What makes, what makes Medis Medis is a people. Like I told you, uh, I'm in the people business. Uh, what makes Medis Medis is the customers that come into Medis, the, the loyal customers that love Medis and the people that, that work at Medis and run Medis. And that's not me. That's everyone else. Uh, I'm the guy that tries to think about ideas and I run it by them, but they are my team at Medis is, uh, is the boots on the ground. They are the source of all value creation. And, uh, I really believe that any business, any business, it is the team, it's the people, it's, uh, whether it's the customers or the employees. Now, yes, the product has 
its fair share, but I think I don't think it's a main element, and uh, that's that's what I believe makes Medis Medis. It's just the people that run Medis and the people that work at Medis and the people that uh, you know mm -hmm. uh, try to thrive for excellence every day at Medis. Yeah, to add on that, I was listening to uh, another podcast you were on recently here in town, or within the last few months, um, and you mentioned a kind of a culture that you've developed at both businesses, but especially Medi's kind of a five stars or a zero approach. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So my, my philosophy is when you come in to my restaurant, I, uh, I make a promise to you. I promise you uh, a, a perfect service, perfect environment and perfect product. And I ask you to pay me a certain price for that. So when you come in and spend 100% of the money and I give you 100% of my, I deliver on 100% of my promise, it's an even trade, you know, mm -hmm. for me to, to, for me to, uh, 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 to make you a raving fan, I have to surprise you and delight you, you know? Yeah. So uh, that's why it's a five star or a zero, because when you spend 100% of what I ask you to spend, I either win or, or I don't win. I either win or I lose, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, so uh, that's why we, yeah, mistakes happen. We, you know, we're not perfect, but this is uh, uh, when we expect you to deliver, we, when we hold you to a certain standard, we got to hold ourselves to the same standard. Yeah, definitely. You know? Yeah, I like and, that. Uh, and we always have to keep in mind that every penny is a hard-earned penny. And uh, when we, we, we can't short, we don't expect you to short us and we, we can't short you on, uh, you know, mm -hmm. what we promised you we would deliver to you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one more thing I wanted to touch on with the, the restaurant was the renovations. Um, first of all, they're incredible at all three branches. But um, what made you want to do the renovations to... Almost, I mean, to that extent, like they are very nice. There's like a really cool bar atmosphere at each one of them. What made you want to go do the renovation at each branch? Uh, that, uh, like from uh, pretty much uh, there right now we're renovating again, just let you know. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it starts with the, with, so it has something to do with the whole fast casual concept. Mm -hmm. uh, it has to do with the, uh, and that, that's just my personal belief. I, I, if you read online about the QSR quick service restaurants, uh, they always, you know, try to uh, all the experts. They uh, they kind of categorize it in a certain way. You know, fast quality food, uncomfortable seats. You want to turn seats, blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. And. I really believe that, so before fast casual, before Chipotle, before the fast casual industry, there was casual dining and there was fast food. And those two concepts made money. The casual dining did good lunch, really good dinner, and uh, made good money. The price point was double or triple the fast food, right? Mm -hmm. But the fast food... It really made really really made the money based on volume. Right. And what allowed them to do that volume was a drive-through. You yeah. know. Now, 
uh, Chipotle came up with the fast casual concept. I, I mean, or I at least I heard about the fast casual concept after I, I heard about Chipotle. So before right. that, I never noticed anybody else, even if they were doing it. Maybe there's somebody it already exists. Maybe it's been around for the last hundred years, but I, I never heard about it until I heard about Chipotle. Right. So they are obviously the ones that mastered that game. And so far, I have yet to see a fast casual restaurant that actually makes profit, believe it or not, or profit enough to sustain a successful business other than Chipotle. Yeah. And if you want to, if when I read the, the the public reports, the financial reports, quarterly reports for for the ones that are public, uh, you they they list out their they they put out their average sales because they're a publicly traded company. They have to put out their financials. Uh-huh. When I read their financials, they put their guest count, they put their average spending, how many guests come into their stores. So Chipotle has over seven hundred to eight hundred people go to their stores, versus the rest of those uh, restaurants they do between three to four hundred people a day. Wow! And uh, at that price point, to only do uh, three to four hundred people, you really cannot uh, run a, a profitable operation that you can expand with. Now you can ask me, well, there's other fast casual that are very successful, and, and uh, my my answer to that is there was a uh, you know a smart guy in one room with a bunch of people with a lot of money, and they're called private equity firms, and they right. put up a lot of money, and he promised them that that concept was going to become the next Chipotle. And that's why they they're they're throwing millions at it, but all the public records for all the public uh, fast casual restaurants, none of them actually are very profitable or profitable enough to sustain a, a successful a financially successful operation. So I had to make a decision with Medis. I have to elevate the atmosphere to gain that dinner business, because if you go to any fast casual restaurant except for Chipotle, they mainly do lunch business. And there's nobody in the restaurant at dinner time. And you cannot sustain a restaurant with only one meal a day. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So, so I, uh, when I was, when I had only the lunch business and we had no dinner business, uh, we were profitable, but it wasn't enough profit to expand it or to have people grin with your, have, have your team grow within your concept and, uh, you know, make more money and, you know, be more successful. So I had to figure out a way to bring people to Medis at dinner time and provide them with a quality meal and a really nice atmosphere at a good value. Mm-hmm. And whether you want to call it casual dining or fast casual dining or whatever you want to call it. But I, you know, the renovations that we did, they actually brought people to Medis at dinner time. Yeah. So that's what they that's what they did. That was a desired that, that was a desired outcome out of them and it worked. You know, so that's why we did it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's cool because like downtown, I know uh, I mean a lot of my friends whether they work at Cargill, which is right there or they they're just heading downtown after work or whatever, they they're like, "Oh, let's just go have a drink at Medi's now." And it's that's might not have been something that was there before or I don't know, it's just it's cool to see another spot that's like that's kind of like that where you can hang out and um, have a drink, but you can also have a, a very good meal. Well, and you know, I don't think there's something wrong with if you can have a good time and have a go to a restaurant and you know eat for uh, for ten dollars and have a couple drinks and not uh, break the bank. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, like so, 
I know that doesn't exist. Some people warn me about having identity crisis by having craft cocktail bar and, you know, and I'm a fast casual restaurant. But if I am able to provide you with a quality meal for a really good value and you're able to enjoy yourself while you're there, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, honestly. So, no, there's not. Not at all. So, and, and, and obviously people liked it and enjoyed it. And if they didn't, we would have changed the game. So right. we keep changing it until we we pretty much we do what people want us to do. I mean, yeah. I'm not about I'm not trying to come up with something that I think is a good idea and try to shove it down people's throat. I want to do what people want me to do so I can earn their business. Yeah, and I, everyone that I've talked to, I mean, they've loved the idea of having. Um, the nice bar there and everything the the atmosphere with the live music or the the doors that can go up when the weather's nice or the um like i said like the live music that people you have on friday nights or whatever it's just a really cool atmosphere thank you um so is there another industry that you maybe pivot to next or are you kind of all in on expanding medis and keep ribbit going right now i i think i'm 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 good for now i think my main focus today is uh navigating through the pandemic yeah absolutely and uh trying to come out of it uh bigger and better and stronger mm-hmm. and uh learn from it you know <clears throat> i i really i really i like being challenged i like going i like going through challenges because that's the time we 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 evolve that's the time we change that's the time we 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 get better at doing certain things and we are getting better every day at doing certain things right now within medis mm-hmm. and right now we're in the process of optimizing our takeout business yeah you know so before we shut down 40 percent of our business was to go i expect it to become 80 percent for the next uh foreseen future i don't know how long yeah and uh, uh, and uh we're optimizing for that now we're not set, we're not changing anything with the what well, people know about medis but we need to get better at our to-go business and we're changing our layout inside the restaurant so we can do a better job uh you know at doing more to-go business if you want to say yeah i think it's interesting too whenever there is a, a um, either like a downturn in the market or something that's unforeseen like this it forces you to optimize and innovate but then if you can do that successfully the return on that is going to be huge after this is over because you've optimized, you've streamlined things and everything like that. I, I hope that's the case for us. That's, I mean, we, we, we're trying. So I hope that's, that's going to be the case for us. So, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I read an article, I think it was the Wichita business journal. Um, you had an interview a couple years back or whenever that was. Um, and it said one of you, one of your greatest achievements, um, besides being a father is balancing your family life and the demanding work life between all your businesses. That's a big struggle for a lot of people. I know it's a struggle for me as kind of, I start my family with my wife and, um, our newborn and balancing work and, um, doing this podcast and everything like that. What advice do you have for people to handle this work-life balance? Well, honestly, I thought I was doing a good job, but now with the pandemic, I, I have more time to spend with them, with my family, and I like this. I, yeah. I was just talking to, to somebody this morning about it. I'm like, man, I'm liking this. I'm we're, <laughs> we're, we're doing stuff every day with my kids, right? You know, we bought bicycles. I, uh, you know, I got them a playground. In the, we, we built it in the backyard, and yesterday we, it was the first time we went biking. And uh, uh, this is something I honestly, uh, this is new to me. Like I. Uh, 
uh, I don't think I was spending enough time. But uh, the advice is when uh, the only the only thing that's going to allow you to spend more time with your family is your team for any business owner. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, 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 a lot of business, small business owners, they have a hard time delegating because they uh, they they're afraid that somebody is not going to do it right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. they're, they're that's their baby. Every business is everybody's baby, and uh, everybody is so protective of their children. And you know, when your business is your child, you're so protective of it. And you a lot of times, and I've I've gone through that before. Mm-hmm. And you end up working yourself to death because you want to make sure that it's done right. You know, what we got to realize is there's a lot of smart people around us and we just got to give them the chance and leverage their brain power. And they can probably do a lot of times they can do a better job than we can. Yeah. You know, and so when we do that, we're able to get that time to spend with our family and actually have that balance, you know. So any any small business owner, uh, I would say, you know, if if you're a coach and you're trying to win a basketball game, always go look for the seven-footer that can dunk the ball <laughs> and let them dunk the ball for you. Because if you're the coach, you're probably not going to be the guy that's going to dunk the ball. So there's sure. probably a better seven-footer that can dunk the ball. Go look for that one and go take that some time off, and they'll do a better job than you than you can yourself. Yeah, so, I, yeah. I, I, I can tell you, if I work at Medis, I wouldn't do a, as a good job as good of a job as my team uh, does i really i I really couldn't right so yeah so what i'm hearing you say is it doesn't matter what type of business you're you're running if you want to have that work-life balance and not work 100 hours a week yourself and not do as good of a job you just need to make sure you put the right pieces in place and have a good team around you absolutely absolutely always look for the seven footer that can dunk the ball if you're trying to dunk the ball right you know yeah so it's not about it's not numbers game how many people you get always start with how can I get the best guy to do this job? And then we'll worry, worry about the money later. Absolutely. Who's the best guy that will do this job? And, uh, you know, and that's how you get the best results, not by doing it yourself, because you think you're doing the best job, but you really aren't when you look at it. Right. Probably when somebody else is looking at you. Yeah, that makes so, sense. So I call it me, Inc. So I, uh, uh, you know, a lot of lot of us small business owners, we think that we think that we are the best, right? We we're mm-hmm. like nobody knows what we're what what to do. We we know it all. We we've done it all, you know. And I uh, somebody told me one time. They said if you had a board of director, and they just asked me that question. They said if you had a board of director that followed every move you made and watched uh, and heard every word you said and watched every click of your mouth. Do you think they would give you a raise or they would fire you? Yeah, that's a great question to ask. As a, as a, if you, if you own the business. So uh, when you ask yourself the question and start thinking about what, what every, every activity you're doing on a daily basis and whether you are the best guy to do it, that's when you are uh, more inclined to get the right players so you can win the game. Right. Yeah, that's a really good mentality. Um, I have, so I have a few questions that I kind of ask every guest. Um, so they're kind of gen- more generic questions, but it's, we usually get a pretty good spread of answers. So what is something that you often recommend to people? It could be a book or a podcast. I always recommend to be aware who they take advice from, not because you have written a book, 
and or you're an author of something doesn't make you uh, the the authority for that profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, always listen to the uh, take advice from the from the from the chef that eats his own cooking. If that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you're trying to uh, open a car wash business, go hang out with the most successful car wash guy and take advice from him. Don't go. Uh, and I, I, I'm, I'm sorry for every business uh, teacher at Worcester State or any university. Don't go get advice from the, you know, the, the, the professor at the university because he's never done the, the car wash business because business right. is not a bathrobe one size fits all. Yeah. So every business is different and every business has its own environment and has its own tricks. And if you really want to master that certain business, go find the best guy that has done it before and pay him whatever it takes. Go learn from him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, don't read the, don't read the book for somebody that there's a lot of good theory, a lot of good ideas out there. And there's a lot of good ideas that are just a theory that works in theory, but in real life, they don't work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it depends on what I'm trying to figure out is I go, tr- I try to go read the book for somebody that that's what they do. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's their profession, not somebody that's making a living selling a book. Right. Selling books. Yeah, they, they have to have gotten their hands dirty at some point to really exactly. understand. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Do you have a favorite failure um, in any aspect of your life or your businesses? Every every failure I have, 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 have been in is my favorite failure because I learned something new from it. Mm-hmm. You know, you've heard the saying that says, if it doesn't kill, uh, kill you, it'll make you stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, now... If I asked myself the question, how much more successful would I be if I could unwind every mistake I made and every dumb tax I paid, and the probably the the the, the results would be breathtaking, you know. Mm-hmm. But without failure, we can never improve. We without getting out of comf- our comfort zone, we can never improve. So uh, you know, we uh, we. This is just typical for humans. So, uh, or at least the majority of us, you know, uh, right. people always, uh, you know, when, when, if you Google Alex Harbush, Kansas, you read these stories about the businesses, you think, oh my God, life is good. I don't actually, you know, get a call. I don't tell anybody when I'm, I'm failing at something, I don't open my mouth to anybody because I don't want the paper to write about it. Right. So, <laughs> so people, People always know about kind of like a Facebook profile. If right, you exactly. Look That's at somebody's Facebook profile. You're like, oh my God, this person is very, very happy. But people, when they're upset, they don't snap pictures and put them on Facebook. Right. You know, so uh, the, the the look from the outside seems glossy and fluffy, but that's not always the case. You know, right. so uh, every failure I think is healthy for a business owner. And uh, immediate success sometimes can be your enemy and can be the, the enemy of the future success, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, I think failure is, is healthy as long as you can come out of it and uh, rebuild and uh, get better. Uh, it's a shame if you keep failing with the same, making the same mistake. 
mm-hmm. you know. But as long as you improve and do better next time, there's nothing wrong with making mistakes and failing. Right. And I think, like you said, it's, it's almost like, I mean, kind of like social media example. What people post is a highlight reel. It's not what's going on in the real world. And a lot of people, like, if they saw, like, a new Medis pop up, they might say, oh, wow, look at that. Like, Alex got lucky. It's an overnight success. But they don't know, like you said, the failures that you've learned from in the background. There's not articles about all of this, the hard times necessarily. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. And those are, you know, that's what, uh, I mean, if you talk to any, uh, let me give you an example. Warren Buffett mm-hmm. traded stocks for 10 years before he made his one million, first million dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know of any book or of any school, or I don't know of anybody that would sign up for any course or buy any book, how to make a million dollars after 10 years. Right. But the reality is nothing comes easy, mm-hmm. you know? So, but if you ask me for advice, don't ever buy the book that tells you that you can make a million dollars working out of on your kitchen table four hours a week. That doesn't happen. That's not the person, at least before you, you bought that book, you were richer the price you paid for the book. Right, that's yeah, the, that's a good point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I yeah. guarantee you're not going to get anything out of that book. And I, thanks God, I haven't re- uh, you know, read any of these books, but I, uh, you know, there are facts and there is wishful thinking, and whenever they collide, facts always win. Yep. What is your definition of success? Success is giving what you got. So, I'll give you an example. When I look at success, mm-hmm. I look at, uh, I'm not, uh, to me, success is when I'm able to sit down with somebody that wants to learn something about business and I'm able to teach them something and I'm able to give them from my experience. That's success. Yeah. It's not all the money. Now, you know, you can't do anything much without money. But success is when you reach a point where you can master what you do and you're able to teach it to someone else. Okay. That's a real success. That's a, that's a true success. Yeah, I like that definition. Um, is there a habit that you've developed over the past few years that's most improved your life? A habit? I mean, there's... Uh, in the last few years, I've been, I've been reading a lot more. I've been learning a lot more. I've been searching for information. And it's a lot easier nowadays with the internet and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, search engines and, you know, the, the speed of the internet. And that's something that I've been doing more, more of in the, la- in the last, uh, you know, in the last couple of years. Right. And uh, I think that that has helped me quite a bit, you know, so... Yeah. Are there any books that you could recommend for business? I know we kind of just talked about don't just listen to how to how to start a car wash from somebody that hasn't started a car wash. But are there any books that you recommend to business people? There's a book that was written in 1937, I believe. Let me tell you the the, the, the year. Yes, 1937. It's called Think and Grow Rich. Yep. It was written by Napoleon Hill. 
and I don't know how many copies have sold millions of definitely millions. Uh, you know, millions of copies. And what attracted me about that, what I was actually good about that book is not the grow rich part, it's the think part. Right. So that book tells you to think. And what what they mean by that is don't be overly optimistic and all only think about the upside. And try to figure out if you can live with downside because we tend to be always really good about, you know, estimating or thinking about what could go right. And we think we dream about the upside. Yep. But if you think about the downside, I think it will give you a lot of, lot of uh, clarity on building the guardrails. So if you do fail, <coughs> you don't, you don't go down deep. Yeah, that makes sense. And the only way to do that is you have to think. We use your brain, uh, you know, and uh, a brain is a powerful thing. And a thing, I mean, it's a powerful creation. And if you just use it and think, because I, you know, when I talk to other business owners, uh, and we're, sometimes we're talking about business, I, I always say, hey, I, I have no idea. You, you probably know about your business way more than anyone else in the world because, you know, you, all you have to do is just think about it yourself. Really, really think about it and not try to get an answer from someone else. Just try to come up with your your own answers. Now, I can, you can probably go read the book and it will give you clarity on on how to approach certain things, uh -huh. but it has to be you your brain power or maybe you and other people that are really thinking about this. Right. You know, so that's my favorite book. Yeah, because you, you, like you said, you have to actually apply this stuff. Like you can't just passively read the book, but you have to sit down, maybe you read a chapter and then kind of digest it and think through how it applies to whatever situation you're in or your life. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because, it, I mean, it's very rare that you're going to find somebody that went through the same exact situation that you're in. But what you learn from books is a concept of approaching different issues in life. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I, uh, I have a friend of mine. He gave me the Bible. So I, I, I broke a promise to myself. So I, I've never read the Bible before. Uh -huh. And I was going to read the Bible. When the pandemic started, I made a promise to myself. And unfortunately, we always tend to break promises that we make to ourselves that I was going to read the Bible. And I got it from a friend, my a friend of mine. I told him I wanted to read the Bible. So he, he brought me one. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, I wanted, I wanted to read the Bible. And uh, hopefully, I, since now, I just, you know, I admitted that I broke promise I made to myself. Mm -hmm. uh, before that pandemic is over, I'm going to read the Bible. All right. That's a good goal. Uh, yeah. There's actually a lot of good stuff. You know, in the Bible, there's absolutely a, yeah. The Bible yeah. gives you a lot of clarity on what to do and what not to do from what you know, talking to people or hearing, you know, uh, about the Bible or what's in it. So that's that's one of my desired outcomes in the next few weeks is to you know, at least make progress with reading the Bible. Yeah, I'm currently working my through way through as well. So that's awesome. Um, so I just have a couple quick questions about Wichita. Um, 
what is your favorite part of Wichita or what's a hidden gem in Wichita that a lot of people might not know about? You know, I, I, I told you, I, uh, uh, I've always worked 80 hours a week. So I, I, I've never been a foodie. I'm not a foodie. I, sure. you know, I like all restaurants. They're all good to me, but I, you know, I, uh, when my wife asked me, what do you want to eat? What should we, I'm like, just, just, just cook something. It's all good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, honestly, what I, so I, I had those six acres in, in Benton outside of, uh, outside of Wichita. I mean, I, uh-huh. I personally, I love the, the fields. I love the country. I, sure. the, 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 like when I want to go somewhere, I want to go drive on the dirt roads and just look at beautiful Kansas. Like I, you know, that's that's what I love the most about, you know, this this piece of land or this part of the United States is just a flat land. That, mm-hmm. You know that that the, the the greenery in the in the summertime or you know the spring. That's that's my favorite thing to do in Wichita. Like it's just I get out of town, go you know go to the farm. That's that's my favorite thing to do. Actually, my I always tell my friends that, you know, my dream retirement is is about a hundred acres and some cattle and some you know other animals and just mm-hmm. live on a farm. Yeah, I don't uh, think the Kansas gets the credit from people. I mean, people here might admire it, but it doesn't get the credit it deserves for being beautiful. For like you said, just the farms and the beautiful flat landscapes. But yeah, it is beautiful, honestly. Is there anything you wish Wichita had that it does not have, or what would you improve about Wichita? One-way direct flight, direct flights, the direct flights. So we don't sure. have to. I wish, I, I wish when when we fly some, I wish we didn't have spent the whole day, you know, going to Denver or Dallas or Houston or. So every time we went, we wanted to go somewhere. That's the only thing. Other than that, it's perfect. Right. Is there anywhere specific you'd want a direct flight to? Uh, not really. I, you know, I honestly, the, the, regardless of the landscape or what it looks like, I still Wichita is my favorite. Kansas is my favorite. Mm-hmm. It's just because maybe I, you know, I've, I've had a good life here. It's been great to me. And the, I always get Kansas sick or Wichita sick when I leave out of town. Whether I go to Florida or Vegas or any of these places, they really don't need mean much to me. I, I love the simplicity of Wichita. I love the people of Wichita. Just the, uh, I, I truly get Wichita sick when I leave Wichita. Even when I go to Lebanon to visit my parents, yeah. like I, I can't wait until I get back. And uh, regardless of where I am, I mean, I've been to New York, I've been to Florida, and yeah, they're beautiful, but they're beautiful for about a day or two. Right. Exactly. You know? So. Uh, it's just whenever I have to travel, go places, I just, I, you know, time is money. I, I hate to waste a whole day going from one airport to another. So I wish I wish we had a bigger airport where, you know, we had direct flight, flights to places. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's about it. Other than that, I mean, it's perfect. It really is. And what makes it perfect is the people, honestly. It's just, it's, uh, you know, uh, heaven with my, growing up, my mom used to tell me is heaven without people is, is useless. You know, it's just, it's... Uh, it's nothing. You'll get tired of it in two days. Mm-hmm. So what makes every place special is is the people that are in it, you know. Yeah. And when the when the pandemic first happened, I, I you know I, I texted a friend one time, and I would be driving to work on a on a Friday morning, and there would be nobody on the street, and uh, I would I would text a friend and say, "Man, this is depressing. Like, 
life is not good without people. It's not good without traffic. I miss, I miss the old life of, you know, the people and the problems. And now it just seems like our life, our freedom got, we got robbed our freedom and we have nobody to blame. Right. And uh, it just all of a sudden everybody is at home and, you know, and that's what I love the most. I mean, that's, that's what makes Wichita special is the people that are in Wichita. Like, and they, they really, in every occasion, in every situation, people in Wichita have, have, have proved that they are, you know, they are great people. They really are. Well, yeah. So that, I mean, my last question was, what does Wichita mean to you? You covered that quite a bit right there. I mean, the people, <laughs> I agree. It's definitely the people in Wichita that make it um, home for me, but is there anything you could add to that? What does Wichita mean to you? It means my successes and my failures and my good times and my bad times. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I've always thought that you really start living your life after you graduate from high school, after you 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 uh, you move out of your parents' house, and that's when you really start living. You go on your own, and you have to make every decision on your own, and you're responsible for every decision. And uh, which that means to me the good days and the bad days, and the experience that you you learn or you gain from, you know, being in business and doing business, and it, it's just it's it's been great so far. So it's just, that's what it means to me. It's just, it's the best part of my life, if you want to say. Yeah, I love that. Um, Alex, awesome. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, this was a lot of fun. We'll have to do it again sometime and meet up in person sometime. Um, Hopefully after COVID-19, we yeah. can talk about the changes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, we can definitely do that. Get you back on to talk about all that kind of stuff. Um, I will link up your stuff. I think the social media is Eat Netties um, on most of the accounts. Um, yeah, thanks for coming on and stay safe. I appreciate it, Alex. I appreciate you. Stay, stay, stay safe as well. Thank All right, you. man. Have a good one. Appreciate it. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you again to everyone that listened to this episode of the Wichita Life Podcast. If you enjoyed, please rate and review our podcast on whatever app you use. If you have any recommendations, please reach out at wichitalifeict at gmail.com. Thanks again.